So our show is called A Song Can Change Your Life. And A, do you even believe that? Is that your phone ringing? It was, I will say. That's it great. Off. She's fired, Jared. She's fired. Can we get somebody else? Have you written any songs, Jared? Jared, I can't work like this. Can you call Mike? Maybe Mike has written a song that we could talk about. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Great. All right, back at it. Three, two. Hi, everyone, and welcome to A Song Can Change Your Life, a podcast where we talk with one songwriter about one of their songs one-on-one. Our show is powered by Home by Dark, a concert experience like no other. To learn how a song can change your life, visit homebydark.com. My name is James, and on this episode, I'm talking with Nashville-based performing songwriter Joe West. We caught up with Joe outdoors on a beautiful fall day before a Home by Dark concert and discussed his timeless song, Richest Man in the World. When I stop and think about my life Good it feels to be so satisfied I hope my little girl and my sweet wife Can't believe they're mine The car I drive was built in 91 But it's paid for and somehow it still runs It's beat up and kind of old But it always gets me where I need to go It's not about the money Cause I don't have a lot But when I think about everything I've got I'm the richest man the world I'm the richest man that's what I believe I found a hidden treasure right in front of me don't have gold or silver diamonds or pearls but I'm the richest man everybody, James here with A Song Could Change Your Life, talking to my good, good buddy, gosh, Joe West. Joe and I met, I want to say, it was either 2003 or 2004. We recorded that little record together in 04. I'm thinking I might have met you a little before then. I think it was three. Yeah. And and you were at, uh, never forget, Sabrina... My our friend Sabrina Murdaugh introduced me to you, and I think it was the Broken Spoke. Oh, was it the Spoke? I, think it, was, spoke? I think it was. Uh, oh, where was it? It was uh, Jack Scott's place. No, no, no. I, you know, I think it was the Broken Spoke. Jack Scott was afterwards because he okay. had uh, a long-running deal at wow. the French Quarter. No, yeah, he had a, he had a place there. We had a previous place before he had the French Quarter. Okay, well maybe it wasn't the Boardwalk. It was called the Boardwalk. Maybe that was it. Yeah, okay. it was the Boardwalk. I remember. I remember. Man, it like it was yesterday. <clears throat> See? You better, yeah. yeah. Well, I heard you, man, and became an immediate fan of oh, Joe West, and and we become 
lifelong friends yeah. after that. Indeed. I was drawn to you. I was drawn to your, you know, I think it's interesting. You can, at least, at least you have perceptions when you hear someone sing of what kind of person they are. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not always accurate by any yeah. means, but, but in close proximity to you hearing you sing, I'm like, not only has this guy really, really good, but I think I know who he is mm -hmm. a little bit. Wow. You know, because your songwriting is honest, and I think, I think I would like this guy. Do you ever wow. get that vibe? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got it when I ran across you and JP and Sabrina was the same, mm -hmm. same vibe I got. Yeah. yeah, it's cool. Cool how music can do that, yeah. especially when you try to write, like you, like your songs are incredibly honest. I mean, that's the only way you know how to write. Mm -hmm. um, not everybody does that, especially in Nashville, yeah. because guys and, and people in Nashville often write for uh, commercial purposes, yeah, right? Sure. Which is sure. fine. Um, I've never felt that from you. It's like always everything I've ever heard from you has always seemed like Joe felt this and wanted to write it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how you sort of. It is. Yeah, like anyone, when I first came to Nashville, I was caught up in the, you know, Nashville way of trying to write songs that way. And then over time, I think we talked about this yesterday, you, you, life takes you down these roads where you realize you don't have to write that way. It's best to be honest with your songwriting. And so I just had the desire to say things, yes, say things that had happened in my life. And so it changed over time, I think. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm, I'm glad I met you, man. Yeah. And you uh, <clears throat> you started your life journey, am I right? Is it, you, you started in Fayetteville, Arkansas? I did. I did. How long were you, did you stay, were you in Fayetteville? Uh, I left Fayetteville chasing my now wife of 38 years. I left there, gosh, man, late 80s, maybe. And I uh, moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma. We were there for a while. And then because of our church, we ended up moving to uh, Chicago. We were there for... 10 years or so. Then we went to New Mexico, been all over the place. Man. I was working a real job then, you know, and retail moved me around. But, but um, I had crashed my car in New Mexico when we were there, mm -hmm. and that was my first wake-up call to go, okay, need to do something different, and that's when I decided I'd like to come to Nashville and try to at least learn how to craft a song, because my parents had done the yeah. Nashville thing, you know, that's why that had happened, so. Yeah, so, so, how was that decision? Because you already been married a while, well, yeah. and mm -hmm. did you have kids at the time? I did. We had two, my two of my boys were born, living there in New Mexico. So you're in New Mexico. You got a real job. You got a family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's not a casual decision to say, it's "Hey, not. we're not. going to Nashville, Tennessee." It's not. I'll tell you one thing that happened though was I started to play music in that area, and there was a casino called the End of the Mountain Gods that I started to play at, and it became a big deal. I started to play so much that I actually went part time at my job there and started playing music as my full-time thing there. And that's what gave me the confidence to say, I can at least give Nashville a, a shot, you mm -hmm. know? So when when the other event happened, when I totaled my car, it was like, okay. Did you know anything about Nashville before you moved there? Or I, just that was, had you visited? No more or? than anybody else. My parents, of course, had, had done that, you know, but I didn't know what to do. No clue what to do when I got there. Just, just, there's, there's the business and <laughs> We're going to go move to Nashville. Yeah. 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 Well, you're not the only one. I mean, yeah. a lot of people do that. And yeah. it's, it's gutsy. And thank goodness you're, you know, most people do it a little younger in life, right? Because yeah. you can take more chances then. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, well, good for you, man. Yeah. So you got you, so you, you arrive in Nashville and how, well, how, was that, how was that initial sort of baptism? Did you start playing right away? Uh, or what I did. I, I 
course, the writer's round was the first thing I explored, you know, and started writing uh, at the Commodore initially with Debbie Champion. And Debbie was the first one to go, hey, you know, this guy got got a little something going on, you know. Of course, the Broken Spot became a big deal. You could actually go there and hang out with the Tony Lanes and the Chris Wallens, these guys that are big writers now. They weren't then, or Tony Lane was, but like Chris Wallen was, you know, this guy who had used play cover tunes at a place but he'd also be playing his his songs but you'd meet those guys in this back room where you went out before you hit the stage and so you started to kind of feel what that felt like you know mm-hmm. to be with those guys and hear great songs and that was my first really initial great immersion into the songwriting community was was that and debbie champion was huge in my well, she set up my first meeting with ralph murphy at ascap, ASCAP yeah set me up to play for him you know and that meeting was brutal, by the way. They all <laughs> he <laughs> ate my lunch that day, and it's really cool because about two years later, he played in a round before me, and then he stayed, and I played afterwards. But he stayed for my whole round, invited me back to the office after that mm-hmm. round to come back and play some more songs for him. And so that was part of kind of gave me more confidence to kind of you know pursue that. Yeah, well, I, I know I I've had the experience, and many people have, where you go in. Not really knowing much yeah. about songwriting, crafting. You just mm-hmm. and you think, you know, because up, up until then, it's people giving you feedback that are pretty much on your side. Mm-hmm. So you go into someone like Ralph, oh, and, and they can beat you up. Oof. And you, but then you have two choices. Yeah, you can either be depressed and leave. Yeah, put your tail between your legs. You go, I'm never going to. Or you can say, you know, maybe he's right. Yeah, maybe I need to get better. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you chose the latter. And I did. And I, and part of that was internally. I wanted to, there's so much I wanted to say, you know, and so I, I, I wanted to be able to do that with songs. And so it just gave me a oh yeah, deeper desire to try to work on it, you know, and be better at that and still, you know, still have some work to do. Of course, you know, now that I'm, I play a lot now, obviously I'm playing music a lot, but I don't get to write as much. Mm-hmm. I don't get to focus on that as much. And so one of my goals this upcoming year is to set a some specific time you know, to, to write. And the times that I have written, I took some some songwriting lessons, believe it or not, from Mark Cawley. He's a yeah. huge writer yeah. there. I've done, I've done a, my first session with him and, and about to do my second one to kind of get, you know, some more training. And uh, I don't think you can ever get enough sort of, you know, people, people you admire, you know, mm-hmm. just to keep, keep sandpaper and keep things fresh. And yeah. we can always learn stuff in yeah. songwriting. Yeah. You know, always. Never We should never get to the point where it's, I don't need to. I know everything. Yeah. I know, but yeah. I mean, it's just good to get. Even if you never apply it, just to yeah. hear people's different approaches. Even. Yeah. Um, I think it's very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. thank goodness for people like Debbie Champion, who um, yeah. there's probably thousands of writers oh, that yeah. have been encouraged. Yeah. And that that one voice that because sometimes that's all it takes. You can get beat up so much, especially in a town like Nashville, mm-hmm. that you get one individual, one individual that says, Joe. Yeah, there's something there. Yeah, can I help you? Yeah. That makes all the difference. Yeah, she in the was world. the she was the first one. Her, you know, her and um, my box top friend Gary Talley. Mm-hmm. You know, they uh, he was another. He'd hire me to play with him. You know, on some shows. Here's this legendary guy in my mind from this group. You know, and um, when my situation happened, in fact, he and Debbie put together this huge fundraiser for my family. I remember. Commodore, yep. raised money to help us pay some bills. You know, and and uh, but that's been the common thread in my life is those two people have been my champions as well as you you've been a huge champion in my life in terms of my songwriting it's, it's easy you know when you see people who are really really good 
who are genuine, honest, and um, and have something of value, then shame on me if I don't encourage you. You know, I think. Um, so, uh, so you did you start playing music like really early on, or was this a later thing for you? No, well, I remember my dad bringing my first guitar down the stairs in our house. Well, you grew up with music because your folks were, my parents were Nashville yeah. stars. Yeah. Well, they, they they cut a couple records, came to Nashville, did that thing. It was kind of cool. But um, but I remember that day my dad brought me that first guitar, you know, down the stairs. had three strings on it. I'll never forget. And uh, I was still <laughs> overjoyed. I was 12 years old. I, I remember it like it was yesterday. And I remember picking around on it that day, just, you know, and then... I got my first Mel Bay chord book. I went mm-hmm. and bought it myself and had a picture of the guy's hands that showed me how to play <laughs> those chords, you know. Yeah. And then uh, my brother and I put together this little band, and that's it took off from there, you know. Man. It's pretty cool. At what point did you transition from sort of playing stuff you heard on the radio to, to saying, hey, I could write something? Yeah, you know, I think it was early on just because my dad was always writing, you know, from early on. So we were always trying to write something. I, you know, I remember very young, just trying to create st- stupid little songs, you know. And um, and then when I got married, it really took off because I was writing songs about Robin, you know, my mm-hmm. wife and my kids, and it started to really take mm-hmm. off again. And so, and, um, Man. Yeah. Well, the song I wanted to let people hear today and talk about a little bit is, is called Richest Man. Mm-hmm. And it might have been the first song I ever heard you sing. It's certainly uh, the first one that... Mm-hmm. resonated with me deeply mm-hmm. and uh, I thought you know here's a here's a classic song a timeless song um, when sort of when did that when did that when did you write that and sort of and what prompted you to write that um, when we were living in New Mexico is is when that song came about I had never been to a place it's called Rio Doso New Mexico I had never been there some people call it Little Colorado it's it's I remember driving in, and it looked like God had taken his hands and literally shaped mm. the mountains. That was the first impression I got. And then, my yeah, and there's a line in there, my, the first night on my front porch, I looked up, and you could literally see the Milky Way. There was millions of stars <laughs> in the sky. And I was just overtaken by the beauty of, you mm. know, that, that area. And it was just like God's glory just all over, you know. And, and But it made me very introspective about my life, you know. And, and um, I was a guy who was working a zillion hours and not spending as much time with my family, but I um, still realized that I had been given so much, you know, even at that time. And I've, I feel more convicted about that now that so much has happened between that time and now, you know. And so the song has taken on a life of its own in so many ways in my heart and, you know, hopefully in some other people's lives too. I used to live out in New Mexico. Place I never ever thought I'd go. First night out on my front porch, I'd never seen the stars like that before. There must have been a million in the sky. You could see the Milky Way with a naked eye. When I saw the mountains tall, I understood my father owns it all. I mean, when you when you're singing it, I mean, you've sung it a million times, I'm sure. But do you, when you're singing it now, do you do you feel it at a deeper level? Or? I, I do. You know, 
I, I have I have so much insecurity about my song, and even that one when I wrote it, you know, you don't know if it's in my mind. You sometimes you don't know if the song is good or bad or whatever. Right. You know, I just that's just what I wanted to say at that time. But um, the more I played it, you know, there was, I kept getting response and stuff, yeah. so I kind of knew there was something there. And even now, it just, yeah, it's taken on this, you know. I even play it differently now because of what's happening with the song itself. I mean, last night was like, yeah, electric. it was like, what? It was like, and and I understood that that could happen, but I I just wasn't expecting it. You yeah. know, that people would resonate with the song that way. And yeah, and um, you know, I've sold a lot of CDs now with that song on it, and now I'm getting messages in my email and on my website about that song. You know, and so it's. It's been really cool. Well, I think it's what's it's, it's interesting about it is, is I think if you if you surveyed most people and just said in a regular conversation, you you everybody would agree um, that the whole phrase of you know a man with a lot of friends is wealthy, mm-hmm. and that you know true wealth is is our health and yeah. friends, but but we don't always we don't really act like that. Yeah. You know, in our daily life. Yeah. So. Wow. I think we maybe believe it, but we don't act like it. Yeah. And so one of the powerful things about songwriters, to me, and songs that are written really well and, and perform really well, and with Home by Dark when they're in these kind of settings when you come, is that message which they all would nod their head and agree with, it becomes real, becomes deep, mm-hmm. and and they start, I, I you know, the, re- the reaction last night was a standing ovation. I think people mm-hmm. react that way because they... they they sort they you've been with us a lot and they they know you and a little bit of your story but hearing it in a song really makes it real for them yeah. and and they they want to acknowledge you to say yeah Joe you got it right yeah. thank you for reminding me yeah. um, that's cool I think that's what they do I think they serve when you're singing it I think they're surveying their own life yeah that's cool you say that um, so yeah. I certainly do it's uh yeah man um, and 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 in a song you I love I love talking about yeah, the first part you talk about your your old beat up car, and, oh, yeah. um, and, yeah. and we all have driven those. I'm driving one now, um, and you can you know you sort of have the attitude of eh, you know yeah. this old beat up car, but you got this this wonderful line basically says, but it runs. Yeah, it's running. It gets me. It gets me from forward. A to B. Right? And I st- I still have sentimental value about. There's a couple of cars that I've had in my life that I'm really singing about <laughs> that I still have sentimental. I miss those cars. Wow, they were beat up, and but man. I love getting in those cars and going. Yeah, you know? well, cool. well, you're right. It's um, but it just it runs, man. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's so it's a. Uh, I think I've always said in most situations you have two choices of how you can think about it. Oh. You know, you can either be grateful and optimistic and positive, or you can gripe and moan, right? Yeah. Exactly. When you got to beat up our car, if it's yeah. running, what do you got to complain yeah, about? Sure. You know, but. So that lead that that starts the song off. But then you then you lead us into um, your time in New Mexico and mm-hmm. seeing the, the stars mm-hmm. and talk about your family mm-hmm. and and we get to know you a little bit in this song and and this this resolution of yeah man I'm not I'm not a wealthy guy yeah. um, mat- materialistically but I absolutely am the richest man in the world. Yeah. What we look around what I've got and that. Yeah. You know, I, I hope when people hear that song that that's what they do is, is realize yeah. that most of us, regardless of our situation, especially living in America where we have yeah. access to, yeah. to so much opportunity and things and um, that, yeah, yeah, we're all rich. Yeah, we are. And I, I hope people don't also miss the, the, 
bigger point for me is that my father is the one who he owns all this you know whatever's his is really mine it's like yeah you know and that's really the deal is he's he's the one that's made all of this available to me and you know impacted my life in such a way that i feel like i need to tell people yeah about. an acknowledgement of faith that you understand that you're you're essentially a steward yeah. of all this stuff in your life yeah. the beat up car yeah. or the other this wonderful family whatever it's, yeah. it's all his and yeah. you just get to sort of manage it yeah it's cool um, and you recorded it several times, right? Because mm -hmm. the last recording I heard mm -hmm. um, was different than the first recording mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. back in the other day. Yeah. And it's, um, yeah. I love it. Where did you do that second recording at? At Steve Dady's place. Oh, cool. Sunset Boulevard. I'm, try I'm trying to finish the record at his place now. Oh, very so, cool, yeah. man. Yes, yeah, the last one's been doing. Awesome. Yeah. Richest man, man. It yeah. is a, it's, it's a song I hum around my house. <laughs> um, when I... When people want to know, you know, who's coming to play with Home by Dark, and they see Joe West, and who's Joe West, I'll say, go listen to this song. Go listen to the Richest Man. That tells you a lot about maybe everything you need to know about right now. Joe West, come see him. So, but thank you, Joe West. Thank you, James. Appreciate you, man. I'll never have a million dollars or a mansion on the hill. What I've got's not built on wood and steel I'm the richest man, that's what I believe I found a hidden treasure right in front of me Don't have gold or silver, diamonds or pearls I'm the richest man in the world. I'm the richest man in the Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Our audio engineer is Jerry Knable. Theme music by Jim Hedinger. To learn how a song can change your life, go to homebydark.com.